Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. That's your live. That's Saturday mornings, 11 a.m. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Thank you for joining me today. If you uh, missed last hour, we had a lot of fun with Guy Talk, and then it is always uh, usually followed up with the amazing and beautiful Queens of the Roundtable. We've got uh, Rebecca Maxwell Haney at the board, and she's my producer, is also uh, a key member of the group, and Rosie Browson, and also uh, April Morton and Michelle Myersberg. That's the power panel today, and we're going to be taking all kinds of questions, and we're going to also be talking about a number of subjects, but we're just wanting to be open to what it is you would like us to talk about. Uh, 877-933-2484 is the number, or you can email me, bill at myfaithradio.com, if you are more comfortable emailing than you are texting. Again, I'll give the number, 877-93-FAITH, or bill at myfaithradio.com. Still have some questions that came in from Guy Talk. We can probably talk about some of those. Had a really uh, couple of great questions right towards the end we didn't have time for. So let's uh, take 60 seconds and I'll bring on the ladies. Hi, I'm Neil Stave, a manager of Faith Radio. I came across a saying that stuck with me over the years. It says, the most difficult arithmetic to master is learning to count our blessings. But let me say that's never the case when thinking about you who support this ministry. You are a blessing to us. And we're filled with gratitude because of your partnership. The Faith Radio Giving Report I receive every day causes me to stop and praise God over and over for His goodness through you. Your generosity and faithfulness in supporting this outreach is so encouraging. And we are truly thankful for the commitment you show in funding this ministry. Because of your gifts, the gospel goes out, God's Word is taught, and lives are changed. So in this season of Thanksgiving, let me once again say it clearly and sincerely, thanks for your support. When we count our blessings at Faith Radio, we think of you. We appreciate all who listen to Faith Radio, but those that give make it possible for all to hear. So join the giving team today with a gift at MyFaithRadio.com. So glad you're with us today. That music is nice. Mm-hmm. Lord have mercy. I always say that every day. Lord have mercy. I've got the uh, beautiful and amazing queens of the round table. Ladies, welcome. Hi, Bill. We're so glad to be here. Ah, it's nice to be here. Yeah. Hi there. Nice to be here with you. Yeah. April, tell us about yourself, if you don't mind. Not at all. I'm happy to be here. I am actually brand new to Minnesota. I am a University of Northwestern's... VP for Institutional Advancement, which means I get to meet a lot of really cool people. Um, I work with alumni and parent relations and um, our advancement data and fundraising for the university and for media. That's awesome. And a cool mom of four. Right. Athlete. Oh, well, I I have four kids and and a husband. Yeah. Yes, I do. (laughs) And Michelle, That's, you've been on the show a couple of times. I have. April has way more horsepower than me. I just have to say that right out. She has a legitimate occupation. 
a career. <laughs> and she's looking really cute in her Christmas. Oh, she's in town and country dress. And oh, whereas wow. I am just wearing oh. my work uniform. But still. You know. Everything's Thank cool. You. Everybody's it's all good. good. Yeah. There was a great question from last hour, and I thought the guys did a nice job of addressing it. But I think because it's coming up on family time and holiday meals, and there's always that awkward moment where someone is maybe asked to pray because they're designated as the religious one in the group, right? Mm-hmm. And the house is going to have some people who are uh, not affiliated with anything or nominal Christians. And this listener was saying, I'm, I've got a little anxiety about what I should be saying and how I can have an impact and be blessing them. Mm. Right. Uh, yeah. Mm. Well, mm. doesn't that kind of strike you right at the heart of why, um, be, you know, I know she, the listener wants to be sensitive that they don't offend, but truly, like, it's this opportunity. And I think many Christians, myself included, have understood and have felt those times of anxiety of not an, is it embarrassment? Is it, mm. you know, um, what is that? Because the Lord asks us to be bold in his name. And, um, you know, so sensitivity and making sure people feel comfortable should be second to the proclamation of who Jesus is over the table and over the food. But yet we're so, we're very concerned and, and as we should be, I mean, there's a, there's a tension there that I think is real. And I'm so glad that, that, um, caller called in with that because I don't think we address that very often. Well, and I mm. think that it's, I think, you know, right away, I want to say, well, what is the whole point of the day? Yeah. Who are we giving thanks to, you know? So there's an aspect of that, that, that if somebody's called on you to pray, you get to be who you are and be in, and, and do what is according to your faith. I think there is uh, the aspect of being sensitive. You know, I mean, uh, Paul talks about it, and mm-hmm. and um, and there is a, a thoughtfulness about that in terms of just of just being um, sensitive to the to the leading of the Holy Spirit. But I, I really do think that you know you can be transparent and and earnestly give thanks in the way that you feel thankful. Uh, that's the that's the uh, the best way of praying. I think is to just really be genuine. You know, and what a great witness. Yeah, and and there seems to be a cultural norm in a lot of places that we would say grace before a meal. So you've you've got that open door to just to just speak to the Lord. And I think for myself, I I remind myself I'm speaking to speaking to the Father. Mm-hmm. And so my prayer is based on that, not necessarily who's around me, right. but but yes, I'm speaking to the Father. Be authentic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What yeah, a great so. opportunity. Mm-hmm. Just such a great opportunity. So hopefully mm-hmm. she just feels excited and not stressed. Mm-hmm about how mm-hmm. to do it because what's, whatever's going to happen, if you're praying earnestly mm-hmm. in the presence of these witnesses, you're talking to your father and that's going to honor God. It's going to honor God and it will honor the people that hear that relationship between you and the father. And they're going to want to know how they can have that. Well, mm-hmm. and I, and just to add to that, I think that if, if you remind yourself that it's like, it's, you don't have to play side pocket pool, like you're evangelizing somebody into right. the kingdom through this prayer, but just to be to be really truly connected to your own genuine pool of thanks, you know, and gratitude to to the Lord, you know, is its own witness, you know. It was interesting. The author Rosaria Butterfield, who became a believer, um, said that it was um, a dinner she was at, where the pastor, who was the host of the home, prayed, and it was the prayer that got her intensely interested in Christianity Hmm. because he talked about his uh, humility and how if he's 
offended people and if he was not kind and it showed so much vulnerability she was so drawn to that tell me more about him about god so it is it's a gift we've got this chance to make a big impact but seeing how we've got the holidays coming up there's plenty of opportunities for things like uh, worry right mm-hmm. and just trying to be present in the moment and yet do all the preparation that needs to be done so how do we manage all that Boy. <laughs> You're talking to I know. We were just talking about Christmas decorations out there because, of course, they're busy decorating here. So, um, uh, you know, just the trying to keep first things first and not, you know, and um, I was just listening to Rick Warren talk about, you know, the idea of of praying before you spend money and, and you know, and taking the time that you need to take to say, is this really what I need to be doing? Because... I, I definitely, through years of, of um, knee-jerk reaction, you know, will maybe overpurchase things or, you know, just be over the top and then mm-hmm. just come under a huge amount of stress related to that and then just feel convicted about it later on. Like, did I spend my money where the Lord wanted me to, you know? Mm-hmm. I always think, you know, when the Lord was teaching me to step out of the holiday season and expectations and meeting other people's expectations and really sifting through and being contemplative about what my participation in Christmas is and in Thanksgiving and my um, my participation with the Lord and who I was to be. And it was quickly very apparent that if I was people-pleasing, if I was doing trying to do too much, then the love and the joy that I could have been bringing to the table was lacking. Mm-hmm. And, and rather, I doing less and being more thoughtful and showing up with a genuine smile and and not stressed brought this purpose of the season, you know, right into the family room and into those relationships that are hard or, you know, um, or difficult in, you know, past wounds. And, And there's a lot of that in families and holidays. There's a lot of, you know, expectations of, um, how is this going to run? You know, um, how are we going to communicate this year? And so when I was contemplative about who the Lord was and who he wanted me to be and as a witness to his love, all these little, you know, so what if the stockings didn't have 16 little things in them? One gift card so that they could go buy their own might have been just fine. Or a little note, this is what I love about you, mm-hmm. you know, was so much more effective. Yeah, worry it doesn't seem to be my issue in the holidays, it's, it's more the stress, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, Rosie. Just Sometimes it's just the expectations I put on myself mm-hmm. um, and making sure everything is done. And with four children at home, it just seems like there are so many opportunities to celebrate. But what happens is we are we're busy every night, every weekend. There's something to do. And so just from a tactical perspective, I just try to focus in on not doing everything. Right. And just saying, no, we cannot do this as a family. We have no space to sit and contemplate, and contemplate to and have, consider and sing the Christmas carols, you know, and and, and yeah. chestnuts over <clears throat> the open fire. You know, exactly. like, <laughs> yeah, like those are like these beautiful pictures. Yes. But if you're so scheduled and my mom mm-hmm. used to call it stacking, you don't even have, you know, the thought of going and getting the wood to have a bonfire mm-hmm. in the middle of winter, which is one of my favorite Minnesota things to do. Um, you know, I just it doesn't even 
occur on your list because there's so many organized things. Yeah. I think the... Oh, go ahead, Bill. No, go ahead, Rebecca. I, I think the the image that comes to my mind is Mary and Martha. I don't know if you got that in Sunday school, but it was always like, are you a Mary or are you a Martha? And all the ladies have to... Young ladies have to address those inner... Um, qualms, I guess, because you do want to make sure everything gets done. And typically it is on the ladies to make sure if you've got parties or gifts to wrap or making sure we get, you know, accommodations made, that everybody has clean sheets, all of those things if they're coming over. That's all very much in the Martha framework of being hospitable. There's work that goes into that. There's work that goes into holidays for the family and creating those good memories. Um, But Jesus says there was one thing that was necessary in that interaction. It it describes Martha as Mary as sitting at the feet of Christ Mm -hmm. and Martha as being distracted by all the preparations to be made. Mm -hmm. And so she comes to Jesus and says, basically, Lord, you don't love me enough. You don't love me because you're letting my sister sit here and just hang on your every word and I have to serve alone. I need some help here. And I don't think Jesus ignores her cry for help, but he looks at her and and he loves her enough to say, all of these other things that you think are so necessary, you're worried and upset about all these things. There's the one thing that's necessary for you to come to me, for you to follow me, to hear my words. I'm here and I'm here to help you. That's what's necessary. And Mary figured that out right here. And I think he's not saying that to scold her or to scold us by extension, but to say, she's, she's got this. Here it is. I'm revealing this to you now too. I am what is necessary. So that's, I guess, what I'm thinking about as things are starting to get crazy at our household is that I need to spend more time soaking in the strength of Christ. And that if there are things to get done, if I'm walking in step with Jesus, they'll get done. Whatever's necessary is being done. And that's the kind of quality talk we get on the Queens of the Roundtable. We'll take a little break. We'll be right back in 90 seconds. Welcome back to the show. Power panel of ladies pretty impressive in here today. I'm awfully glad that you could all be here joining me. We're chatting um, a little bit about anything and everything. So let us know if you have a question or issue or concern you'd like us to tackle, 877-933-2484, or else you can email me, bill at myfaithradio.com. Now, we were just talking about some of the stress of the holidays, and what can come with stress is, um, Michelle, you were talking during the break about the pain of the holiday that's going to be missing someone important. Yeah, so I I have um, a couple of family passings that happened that coincided. Uh, one happened actually on Thanksgiving uh, and one um, just the week after Thanksgiving. And so today uh, there was somebody that uh, came into my work and was buying flowers for a celebration of life for her sister. And I was like, <laughs> I couldn't, I found myself unable to really even give her offer comfort. And typically I see my job when I'm um, waiting on people as, you know, just at the register, as simple as it is, as an opportunity to really try and speak or, you know, pour into somebody's life just a little bit, you know, and 
Um, and I just didn't even know what to say to her. And I realized it was because I, <laughs> if I was honest with myself, that it was a t- a, it's a very loaded time of year. And I, I know that that's true for so many people. And it may be that they're, uh, the, this a special person might have passed away in another season entirely, but maybe it's their first Christmas or Thanksgiving without that individual. And, and they have maybe a powerful presence um, in those events and in, in times gone by, and they just have to reconcile the fact that that person's not there. And it's, it's a, it's a big, uh, so I think that that can be a stressor. Well, it's the complexities of um, what Rebecca was saying so beautifully is, is, you know, the reason for the season, of course, is Christ's birth. And um, in that there is such joy, the joy that he deposits in us. And yet the tension of losing people that, you know, the holidays speak to gathering those that you love around your table, right? And in the celebration of this birth and who God is in our world and our hope, standing right next to sorrow and grief and mourning and that diagnosis that doesn't feel so joy-filled right now, you know? And so that's the part where I, I to lean into Christ for the reason of the season is so important. And yet it's a conscious choice because you didn't know you were going to get hit with grief when you spoke with that woman. It, it comes right. from you sideways mm-hmm. and it's, and all of a sudden your plate is full with something that you didn't even expect and you thought you had dealt with or put away or something. And then we call to that sweet Lord. You know, Lord, this is why you are here. This is you walk with us in these conflicting emotions right now. But to believe or to not give room for um, just the difficulties and the complexities of the season, we just cut ourselves short because it's not always joy filled. Yeah, I agree. I think the expectations we have that those holidays are going to be just perfect and beautiful and everything's in its place. And we think about being with family. um, I think sometimes that that expectations, everything you see in the media, Mm -hmm. this is this is the most joyous time of the year. Um, yeah, just going into the third Christmas without my dad mm-hmm. and it's just, it, there's just nothing like it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, um, that big hole, that larger than life, that's just no longer present. Um, but yes, we do have that joy. We have mm-hmm. that hope that we don't, we don't grieve without hope and, um, what, not a, mutually what a exclusive. better time. Yeah. Yes. We can come to Christmas. our Christmas. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but realizing it's not the same. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not the exactly. same. And that doesn't mean it has to be bad or worse or better. It's just not the same. But you do feel the tension of of wanting, just like what you just said, uh, April, mm-hmm. is the expectation that you uh, either it's something you fabricated from your past or or it's because, you know, you had so many Christmases with this individual or maybe it's the media, you know, giving you an idea like, oh, it needs to be like this. Uh, so you feel the tension of like it ought to be this, and and I think so. Maybe one of the disciplines uh, of the season is also being <laughs> being um, a Mary versus a Martha is to sit at the feet of of Christ and say, Lord, you know where you know, and just be in the moment, like whatever's there. Like I'm sad right now, and and there it is. You know what I mean? And well, and to just be allow yourself to 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 yeah. be open to whatever is there. Yeah, let the tears flow. Yes. And intentional of asking yeah. the Lord, you need a silent night. Mm-hmm. You know, Lord, mm-hmm. I need a silent night. Yeah. I need to sift through these things. I need to come to terms with this. I need to bring this to your feet. This is why you came to us mm-hmm. so that we have this permission to go into the throne room yeah. and bring these sorrows and joys and complexities and 
bitter roots in some cases, yeah. depending on what the, <laughs> what the <laughs> family scenario could be. Michelle, yeah. did you say you lost a loved one on Thanksgiving? Yeah, that was, and it was actually uh, Raymond's sister died okay. on Thanksgiving well, Day, and we ha- he had to go. Yeah. He had to wow. go and actually I, go to the hospital. And- I feel extra sorry for people that lose loved ones on significant holidays because it does cast another dimension to what would otherwise yeah. be an incredibly joyous day. Mm-hmm. I would think, you know, people that would die on Christmas Day or yeah, mm-hmm. Thanksgiving. It's very complicated. Yeah, it makes it a little bit more sad, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Got another layer of something to think about. Here's a listener that jumped in with this. Uh, what do you think the voice of an angel sounds like? The mm-hmm. saying, she sings like an angel, is kind of crazy since angels were big, scary beings. <laughs> Their first words were usually, fear not. Uh, a sweet little singing, beautiful young woman wouldn't be too scary. I'm thinking they sounded more like the bass chords of a giant pipe organ. <laughs> well, does it... I mean, don't we think of choirs of angels? And I so I think of a human choir and all of their different ranges, uh, ranges yes, and I agree. both I the agree. soprano and the alto yeah. and everything. I mean, our Lord is so creative. There's yes. probably ranges we have never even heard mm-hmm. of that our angels mm-hmm. sing in. Well, when you think about the physical instruments that people play, you know, and it, some of these big instruments are capable of some really interesting and unexpected sounds. But I agree with you. I mean, uh, Billy Graham, I'll never forget this, uh, when, you know, many years ago wrote a book about angels. And mm-hmm. uh, I was so surprised to learn, like, what the scripture said. It was so different than the greeting cards and all of the <laughs> statuary, you know, just all the things I grew up with. And so, um, so, but I do believe there there are uh, pieces of music that I will listen to, and I think I'm probably not alone in like the Hallelujah chorus, you know. Uh, and there are certain uh, particular um, versions of it that if I listen to it, it I see I'm getting chills just even thinking about it. That it it that there's a, I I really believe there's almost a spiritual dimension connected to. That is like otherworldly that brings us into a realm that's beyond the temporal realm. Uh, and I, I believe that that is of the Lord. And so there is something that that I think it's it's um, we're not going to know until we get to heaven, like what that's like. I think we have a taste of it, you know, here on earth of, of how extraordinary it's going to be. Well, don't Rosie, you, you mentioned if I... I'm into Silent Night. Uh-huh. So I was thinking of one of the, my favorite lines in one of our Christmas carols is um, rest beside the weary road and hear the angels sing. Mm-hmm. You know, and I always think of the angels' voices of just perfection. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it does transcend, you know, it's the universal language. Well, and they right. sang on the night that Christ was born, right? That's I right. mean, when the you think about that, like, chorus, that, yeah. Yeah. what yep. must that have been like? Well, right? I think, I think scripture gives us a lot I don't think it's something, okay, so I'm going out there. I don't know if this is in turn or not, Bill, so I'm, I'm taking it on a new a new road here. Um, just what God is, is um, stretching me in is looking into Scripture about the spiritual realm more, and he does write a lot about it. Mm-hmm. The Word is full of description of the spiritual realm, both angelic and demonic. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That we're gonna take a little break when we come back. Uh, the ladies will continue. Let us know if you have a question or a comment. Uh, there's some great questions coming in. We'll get to them after the break. You can uh, you can send me a text eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four, or you can email me Bill at myfaithradio.com. Bill at myfaithradio.com. Of course, I can ask your question anonymously. Don't worry about any of that. Be right back. 
Welcome back to the show. Beautiful and amazing queens of the roundtable are here in studio. Rebecca, Rosie, April, and Michelle. Here's a question that came in from a listener. I grew up with the, the tradition of celebrating the birth of my Savior, Jesus Christ, on December 25th. And while that exact date is debatable, there is that is the universal day we celebrate as his people. I would like to follow through with that tradition with my own family, husband and kids. However, my in-laws prefer the family gather at their place and attend their church together, which leaves my home family to either celebrate before or after the 24th and 25th. Ladies, thoughts? It's mm, a great question. <laughs> Again, it's the expectations of family, right? That's right. And, and the expectations we put on ourselves. I know when my spouse and I began to have a family um, and we moved away from my extended family, uh, we just made the decision to to stay at home Christmas Eve and all day or most of the morning on Christmas Christmas Day. Um, and we, we shared it with our family and said, you are welcome to come at any point. We want you here, but this is a tradition that we're going to do. Those 12 hours are going to be for us and our kids. And I didn't grow up, grow up uh, going to a Christmas Eve service, and we really wanted to do that. So we started going to the Christmas Eve service on that night, and then the next morning we'd be together as a family. Now, we would get in the car and drive on Christmas Day. We did that several times, but that Christmas Eve and Christmas morning became kind of our standard and and we shared that and it seemed like everybody was okay with it and then it became common well don't you, you think know. they were okay with it because you and your husband were united two, united and had <laughs> yes. talked about it and had yes. processed it and prayed about it i have yeah. nine siblings mm. um all of my siblings are married except my one brother and so it's, it's a miracle. It's, it's a miracle of grace that we get together at all mm. but it's we had to learn early about compromise Compromise and flexibility. You know, um, every member of our family is important. My in-laws are important. We're important. And so to try to figure out some way that you can rotate those or what do you and your spouse want for your family and let people respond in like. And we can't, it's kind of like, you know, we talked about this a long time, putting on your big girl pants about we can't meet everybody's expectations and God has charged you with the, your nuclear family now. Right. And that is your main goal, the family that you and your um, spouse has created um, through the power of God. I'm listening and taking notes because I'm only a couple <laughs> years into this whole family marriage adventure. And so th- this is the same type of decision in, in our household. We've had these conversations and we chose to move away from both of our families that live in another state. And so it does involve several hours worth of driving to go and see them. And you try to see all of them on every holiday. So everyone feels like they're included. Really, it's just too much because then you're stressed out about traveling and and lodging and and all those things. How am I going to get the turkey cooked if I'm here instead of there? And how do we get here by noon when the other family's celebrating at three? Too much. Everything, you know, quiet everything down, make it much more simple and much more joyful by saying, here's where we'll be at this time. If we're going to travel on Thanksgiving, but stay home on Christmas or this year, we're going to go here for Christmas Eve and here for Christmas Day. And that's just going to have to be the way that it works for our family here. This my 
myself and my husband and our kiddos and that extended family. We love them and we'll be with them as much as we can. But first and foremost, we have to have a peace in our home. Yeah. yeah. I think the other thing that is, uh, that is lovely is there's such a thing as Skype. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and we have these other, you know, mm. ways of visiting e- each other. And, and even though it's digital, whatever, you can still feel the loves, you know, in the room. And uh, we got to that place, too, where December is the workingest month for an actor and a musician. So we would just be exhausted, you know, by the end of December. And Christmas Eve and Christmas Day became really sacrosanct uh, uh, for the day, you know, what it meant, um, you know, in terms of our faith, but also just in terms of our family that we had to prefer, you know, that, yeah. yeah. So I will say if you cr- if you do travel... Uh, on Christmas Day in rural areas, mm-hmm. plan accordingly. There are very few potty breaks. That's right. <laughs> in my That's family right. of six ran into that oh, several yeah. times. Yes. What do we do about this? What do we do about that? Right. That might change your desire to travel. Right. On the it's 25th called, all together. Right. It's called hold it. Right. <laughs> Eat a big snack Put before we leave. Put this diaper on <laughs> and we're going to go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So James uh, chapter 1 verse 6 says, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Uh, Rosie, I know that you were praying in a way that was probably not doubting at all uh, when it came to your husband and his illness. Talk, w- talk us through that a little bit. I wish that were true, Bill. Okay. Um, I, I really, I had to deal when uh, Gary was diagnosed. Uh, the Lord had taken me prior to his diagnosis through um, several classes of praying for healing so I was very well versed in prayer and the power of prayer and the authority of God's name when we believe. Um, and yet the magnitude of what we were praying for in the physical was always before me. So often my prayers were, Lord, I believe for this healing. I really do believe. I need to repent for the doubt because I have three oncologists that are telling me he's going home to you in a very short order. And in my spirit, I know that you are a God that can heal him. So help me marry those two conflicting, my what I'm witnessing with my physical eyes and what my spiritual eyes say yes to. And so the Lord had to work with me. Um, and, and, you know, and everybody always quotes, you know, I believe, help me in my unbelief, which is also a petition before the Lord. But to me, it was more repentance. I had to repent for that doubt. I felt like it was sin because it was distracting away from my belief. Um, So my physical, I I had to repent for what my physical eyes were seeing and the wisdom of man versus the power of God. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It it does. does. I want to just come alongside your, this, this, uh, the other edge of the sword uh, and in this conversation and say that, what do you do when you have, I hope you don't mind throwing this out there, Bill, but um, what do you do when you have a, a real knowing, an inner uh, um, knowing from the Lord that uh, someone is going to go home mm-hmm. and all the oncologists and all of the doctors and everyone else is saying, oh no, they're going to get better. And, mm-hmm. and, and they are really anticipating that. And, and you have just been really clear that, that this is not going to happen that way. Um, you know, that that is a different kind of a uh, a challenge, you know, mm-hmm. and because it's like, are you believing amiss, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, I'd had that experience uh, when my, my dad passed away, you know, so um, I had just had a, a, a several, uh, you know, um, 
I want to say words of knowledge and, you know, other things that were, just made it really clear. And uh, and that was not what the message he was getting, but, mm-hmm. you know. So if I understand this, Michelle, you believe that he was going to go home. Yes. He, and then the doctors are saying, yeah, he might have a chance he'd pull out of yeah, this. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to give you some more chemotherapy. Everything's okay. looking pretty good. And, okay. You know, that mm-hmm. kind of a thing. And, and then he was gone. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when people are, are, are when you're on the edge of, of this world and the next, the here and the hereafter, mm-hmm. it's a really serious thing to like put your house in order. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's you know, right. um, it's that whole thing of think of Nabel, you know, um, uh, you know, with Abigail, that whole thing. Um, it's really important to to make the most of, of whatever there is. But I think that that standing with and and um, really hanging on to whatever it is you believe, you know, the Lord has shown you is, is a test. Well, and don't you think what we believe is the sovereignty of God? Yes. And so the, the my spirit was being spoken to mm-hmm. by the Lord. That's right. I need you, child, to hang on, and mm-hmm. I need you to stand in a place that looks really scary and seems quite foolish. Right. You were in a position of the Lord giving you words of knowledge that said, I know what their man is saying, but honey, I'm preparing you because he's coming home. Right. That's and right. so it's it's more the belief that the Lord is leading me and standing there, right. regardless the of what man is saying. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I do believe that he prepares us right. for the battles that we're facing. And and that's the conundrum, right? That's where Christians were like, Yeah, but I have all this information right. you know, that could be contrary to what he's speaking into your spirit. And that's where it comes down to who is God and who is he in his character and what really, where are you in his sovereignty? Because he's not Santa. You know, you don't put 25 cents in and get the gumball out just because you've done, you know, because you've, you know, dotted your I's and crossed your T's. And he's mysterious. God is mysterious. And I think the thing that is, you know, we all leave this earth at some point, but Mm -hmm. I think that uh, we like to have some level of control over the entrances and the exits and try to anticipate as much as we can. And, And God is mysterious. He is you know, and I think that that is something we forget. You know, I, I think it's important to hang on to the idea that it's like, you know, we, we can know as much as we can. And then there's just parts of it that is that we have to be open and make room for that mystery. Mm-hmm. When you look at this verse, though, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. And think of someone that maybe you prayed that would come to faith in Christ for decades and they died having not done it. Mm-hmm. Um, so what possibly could be wrong with that request when you ask, believe, and not doubt? And you did that, and yet the outcome isn't, isn't what you had prayed for. I don't think we're supposed to be looking at our outcomes. Okay. I think we're supposed to be looking that's at the good. process and, um, and trusting the Lord to, in his sovereignty, to walk out what your prayers, what, he, what you're really asking is that they know him and that they're saved in that salvation, you know, request. I also think, Bill, there's also a unique thing that we don't talk about very often. It's praying the word of God. Like we we give um, the Lord our petitions, but how often are we standing in the authority of the word of God? You know, um, Acts sixteen thirty one, for thy who trusts the Lord, thine and thy house shall be saved. There's many times I've been in battle for family members in that verse. And I'm not repeating it to the Lord. His, you know, the, his word doesn't return to him void. It's more a declaration to all the principalities that are not of God, that I'm standing on the word of God. 
and therefore the territory that he has given according to his scripture. I don't get to know the outcome. I don't get to know the day or the time, but the prayer has been prayed. And and that's what God's asking of us. Mm-hmm. It's not, we don't get to decide because we've prayed that it has to look a certain way. But to many people, that could be very discouraging because mm-hmm. I'm, when I'm asking, I'm, I'm believing and not doubting because I don't mm-hmm. want to be like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That's not me. So there can be a lot of people feeling um, troubled but, by that. But then it, you get into this sort of name it and claim it thing. Where oh, yeah. It's like, are you controlling God from mm-hmm. your faith? Right. Or is he sovereign? It's mm-hmm. according to his will. I mean, Jesus, the God of the universe, said, um, I ask that you let this cup pass, but not my will, but thy will right. be done. Mm-hmm. He is surrendered to that will. We can ask. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the answer is no. Exactly. Great answer, Michelle. You know? And mm-hmm. I think that part of that is recognizing, again, like Rosie said, that we're not judging by outcomes. And maybe the danger people get into in this area is to say, well, I asked and I thought I had faith, but it didn't turn out that way. God didn't give me what I asked for mm-hmm. in the here and now, as far as we can see. I'll, I'll put that caveat. But God didn't give me what I asked for. So that must mean I didn't have enough faith. And that's and not that true. is not how mm-hmm. God that's works right. at all. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so maybe that act of faith after you're praying and you don't get the healing you want or you don't get the job you want, the marriage you want, something falls apart. It's not the way you want it at all. And you asked and you asked and you thought it was in faith and it didn't turn out that way. Maybe the next step of faith after that is to say, Lord, I'm not going to look at this outcome. I'm going to look at you, I'm going to look at your heart, and I'm going to take the next step where you are leading me. Right. Because I'm trusting that what you're working out Mm -hmm. is far bigger than what I can see, and that in the end, what you are working is for my good and for your glory. That is an act of faith. Yes. Mm -hmm. And And Paul says it. He says, Mm -hmm. my grace is sufficient. Yes, right. You know, and so I know I was just in a deep prayer this week, just this week, asking the Lord to answer a prayer that I felt like I had prayed for years. Mm-hmm. And that's what came to my spirit, you know, is that my grace is sufficient for you. Mm-hmm. And since mm-hmm. his ways are not ours, um, yep. I was talking to our, our sweet Susie Larson, and we were talking once about how do we know that the act of contending isn't exactly what God wanted us exactly. to do exactly. for our own benefit. That's right. Not, not even worried about the outcome of what you're praying for, right. but he asked us to contend mm-hmm. and, and his purposes are so varied and so mysterious, as you said, Michelle, that um, I, I really think that we, the sovereignty of God needs to be sifted out in our heart. Yeah. And what does that mean? And what expectations have we put upon him that if we do the right thing, then we are going to get what we want? Because that there, that is not biblical. Yeah. I prayed that I would be surrounded by smart, godly women today, and God answered that prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Let me take a little break. Lots more of the amazing and beautiful Queens of the Roundtable. Let us know if you've got a question you'd like us to grapple with, 877-933-2484 or bill at myfaithradio.com. Either way, it'll get here. show got the beautiful and amazing queens of the round table in studio got rosie april michelle and rebecca so 
how important is it that we try to do our very best at showing the world a smile? Hmm. Wow. Radio silence. Does that mean <laughs> joy or happiness? Well, that's oh, a good question, yeah. April, so yeah. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Um, there are 35 universally accepted facial expressions. Um, and yet the most remarkable is that roughly half of them, 17 to be exact, are expressions of happiness. Hmm. And I'm just wondering, when you walk around and you look at people's faces, what do the majority of people's faces tell you? Mm-hmm. No time? No stress. I'm looking down at my phone. Uh, I'm not interested in connecting with you. Um, and how refreshing it would be to be showing a smile to people. And then is that too risky to show a smile to people? Well, I uh, started this job at a store. I won't say this <laughs> store. But, but I, and I love working at this store because a big part of the, the profile and the things that they want is to make a connection with people who come in in a real genuine way, to meet them right where they're at. So there is an aspect of, of, of just make, laying out a welcome mat. Like, I want to, like, my attention is on you right now, and I want to serve you. Like, how can I serve you and to enter into their day? Like, how's your afternoon? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. just a, just one question. And people are very, a lot of times, they're very forthcoming, and they're so excited to have that connection. And it's so, and it's just a cup of cold water for most people. You know, it's just mm-hmm. a small thing, but it it's it's deeply meaningful for a lot of people who are maybe isolated and they don't have, you know... Uh, any other thing that they've got going on in their day, you know, so. It struck me when I was at a stop sign and I was talking to a person with a cardboard sign and I said, I gave him some stuff and I said, how's it going today? And he said, well, it's a little rough today. He said, I I wave at people and they, they don't wave back. Many times they don't wave back. They don't, they might look at me, but they never smile. Mm. And he goes, I'm a human human being too. And I just went, "Oh man." Yeah. He just wants some facial expression that right. that will validate him as a human. A couple of years ago, Star Tribune had a reporter that went out and um stood at a street corner with a sign and I think he did it for I don't want to exaggerate. I don't remember all the details specifically, but I think it was for at least a week. And he said um that the smiles just changed his day, that that he felt seen, like he quickly took on the persona of being on the street corner and feeling judgment from people who were driving by or they wanted to ignore him because they didn't want to look at him. And um, and so he, I remember the end of that article was a kind smile, if you have no money, will do that person a world of good. As a kid, you wonder a lot. You seem to always be wondering. You smile a lot, you laugh a lot. And then you wonder some more, but it seems like when you get older, you, you have a tendency of wondering less, don't you? Mm, yeah, because I mean, you worry more. Because, yeah. Um, you, yeah. So, Rebecca, say more about that. Oh. <laughs> just, well, mm-hmm. I don't know. It just popped into my head that maybe what we were talking about at the beginning of the hour is there, there's a transaction that takes place. Mm-hmm. That if we think we're in control of the world, as, as a kid, we're wondering, what are things like And how do I fit into those things? And as an adult, we think we hold all the things and we have to do all the things and we're in control. And if we don't do it, then those things don't get done. And so the worry comes in and replaces the wonder. Do you think, Rebecca, that is, okay, so I'm thinking of my kids and they're, 
contentment in knowing that Gary and I were showing up to take care of all of their needs. Do you think as adults, I'm, I'm thinking out loud here, which could be very dangerous. That's all right. Um, and as an adults, do we have almost like an orphan spirit not believing that our father is taking care yeah. of us? That, yeah. that, that we never are the one yeah. in, that spirit. we think yeah. that we're in control, but really... Is that what God meant when he said, go back to the, you know, to who you are as a child? Mm-hmm. You know, did, was very that much. a very pregnant phrase from Jesus, meaning so much more? Um, I have to say today, it struck me. I thought for so many years, I have had a level of anxiety of not being enough and that I need to do more. And am I doing the right thing? Am I on the right track? And Lord, where do you want me to be? And and I, and especially if you're auditioning for a lot of things, you know, I mean, it just, it's, you start to feel like you're coughing in the wind, like really, I mean, this is the purpose of my life. But I think of late, and, and, and I, I wonder if this is prayer covering from somebody else, you know, uh, coming my way, but I, I've really begun to, to look at the sovereignty of the Lord and, and trusted like, well, Lord, if I'm supposed to have that, I just know that you'll make that happen. If I if I don't have that, there's probably some really, you know, even though I think I should have that, there's probably some excellent reason why I don't. And and if I'm not supposed to have that, I it will be dangerous for me to have that or it won't be good, you know. So to really rest in that is a different kind of a thing and it has allowed me to feel like I have a little more of an open mindset because I I acknowledge that I I can, I'm not in control, you know? I mean. So do you ever take time in your prayer life to just say, I need to do a comprehensive gratitude moment. I need to just dig deep and start saying to God, I want to just start naming things that I'm specifically grateful for and just go off the rails and just go on and on. Do you ever do that? Yeah, I actually do that. What does it look like to you? Journaling for me. Okay. And I have a journal that I write in um, during my quiet times. And then sometimes it's just those days where I'm just going to start writing and it can be every single little thing I'm thankful for. The warm kitty on my lap, you know, home, my children, um, a place where I can serve that I feel like is a meaningful work, people that I work with. And it can just go on for pages. And it's so, I love that the way I um, sense the Lord's presence, the way I feel fulfilled at the end of that and realizing, wow, I have so much to be thankful for. And a lot of it's his, just his personality, mm-hmm. his, his characters, um, the joy, the, the mercy, the sovereignty, you know, all those things. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, it's, it's a wonderful tool. There's an acknowledgement when you know that you it's time to get to a place of gratitude. You're usually probably feeling the push of negativity, mm-hmm. uh, maybe complaining, grumbling. And so being able to stop and focus on um, the majesty of Christ and how that plays out in your life from a, a kitty on your lap to you being able to um, speak into somebody's life about the mysteries of Christ and he giving you doors of utterance. You know, it can be from the simple to the profound and I think it's it's just this beautiful tool he gives us because he says, conform your thoughts to me, mm. right? And so we're all, there isn't anybody walking on this planet that doesn't have to come up against grumbling and negativity and worry and anxieties and fears. That's why Jesus mentions it so much. But yet he gives us this beautiful tool of gratitude. 
to well, refocus. And, and I think, too, you know, what's uh, important in that is it is, it's a point of focus because, I mean, when I think I realize that a lot of the anger I've had or the bitterness I've had have, has been generated out of comparison, right? Mm-hmm. And then fear of missing out. Like, how come I don't, I, that never happens to me. You know, and, and it just, then I, I, I hear myself and it's like, really? I mean, you know, what, why don't you, I mean, you people joke about having first world problems, you know what I mean? Like, why? Why is this such a, a a point of contention in my heart? And then, and it sometimes I feel like the Lord gives me those things, and and then I realize, oh wait, I really didn't want that thing. <laughs> I just didn't want to be left out. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know. I mean, it's I think it, that that the gratitude thing and uh, and coming up on Thanksgiving, it really is. Um, it's a form of worship. You know, to uh, to really examine the way the Lord in in informs our lives on every single level. Well, doesn't he say that in Hebrews, that praise and worship is from gratitude. That is the sacrifice Mm -hmm. today because Jesus was our blood sacrifice. So praise and worship out of gratitude is the sacrifice of today. G.K. Chesterton quote for the day is that gratitude is the fountain from which all other virtues spring. Oh, that's good. That is good. Mm -hmm. Psalm 18 verse 19 says, He brought me out into a spacious place, he rescued me because he delighted in me. What a nice way to end the show. Ladies, okay. thanks for coming in. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanksgiving, Bill. It was Bill. a pleasure. It's been so nice to uh, have you in studio in April. Thank you for coming in. Thank you. It's been great. And that wraps up our show for the day. Thank you for all the great questions and tuning in and listening and sending in your thoughts because it makes for great discussion. Appreciate you very much. And I hope you have a great night. And I will see you tomorrow. God bless everyone. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.